Welcome to the Startup Conviction Podcast, where I interview early stage founders about their startup's value proposition and the strength of their conviction. I'm your host, Darian Parrish, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. We have James, the founder of AIR. James, thank you so much for joining. Could you tell the listeners what AIR is and why you decided to start the company? Yeah, thank you for having me. So AIR essentially combines the concepts of LinkedIn and a dating app, but specifically for collegiate athletic recruiting. Uh, so we have a three-sided marketplace with the student athlete, the college coach, and then a liaison, which is you know a parent, a guardian, high school coach, private trainer, et cetera. And the reason that we've built it is to essentially centralize the entire process involved with within collegiate athletic recruiting. It's very fragmented at the moment. There's no singular place for everything to occur and have all three sides of the market come together in a seamless way. That's great. And I think what was interesting here uh, beyond just the tagline of, of uh, you know, both dating and LinkedIn, um, we'll get into that, but the three-sided marketplace, you know, we have a lot of two-sided marketplaces we talk about in tech. Let's go over the dynamics that are different um, in a three-sided marketplace um, because it's no longer maybe just the supply side and the demand side. Um, How do you view that and do you bucket them into supply side and uh, demand? Yeah, so we have a, there's a a very big um, inequity of, of coaches compared to athletes, as you could probably imagine. There's only about 900-ish schools that play college football and over a million high school kids. There's only about 2,000 schools and then 8 million kids that play high school in America and then still only 2,000 schools and 25 million kids across the world on an annual basis that want to come play in America. So as you can imagine, a traditional dating app is usually pretty close to 50-50 split down the middle. We don't have that luxury, so we have to kind of get a little resourceful, I guess you could say, in the the social dynamic and the desperation level of the consumer is a little different when it's outnumbered like that. And that was really why we decided that we didn't have a choice but to go for the third user. Because especially when we're dealing with with a minor, uh, the representation piece was really essential. Unless you're an elite prospect, an elite talent, you need a letter of recommendation, just like if you were going going for a job interview. we felt as though that was even more essential in this setting than perhaps in a, you know, I'm going to apply for a first job out of college. Got it. And so the liaison sort of supplements the coaches because there's fewer coaches, um, not enough coaches to, to match with a student. So um, I guess you could say the, the liaison sort of supplements the coach supply um, and the student is the demand side. There are, yes, there are far more students than there are college coaches and, and obviously universities that they represent. Now on the liaison side, it, it, gives, it gives the athlete more representation and it also gives uh, the liaison the ability to be more actively involved in the process. So whether they're a high school coach trying to help their athlete you know, pursue their, their hopes and dreams, or it might be even a small, a private trainer that is trying to build their own book of business uh, and their demographic is a teenage boy or girl that is they're, tra- they're training or they're representing, et cetera. So it's a, it's a true marketplace for all three sides to connect as well as the parent and the guardian. I mean, there are, there are almost, I would, I would say millions of, of parents in this country and across the world uh, that genuinely are actively involved in their kids, you know, sporting endeavors and want a piece in the process. So we're giving them the opportunity to do that as well. Got it. And um, just final point of clarification, because I think this this three-sided marketplace is very interesting. 
But um, you mentioned a few examples where a liaison was someone who already knows the student athlete. Yes. Um, let's talk about a scenario. Is it possible that a liaison doesn't know the student athlete? Um, maybe this is the example you gave where a personal trainer or something wants to build their book of business. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm a student athlete, can I go on air, find a liaison that I think will help me connect me with universities and college coaches? That's correct. Yes. Just like you could go and connect with someone on LinkedIn to get a virtual cup of coffee or in real life cup of coffee to hopefully pursue your uh, business practice. Uh, it's absolutely no different. If you're an ambitious kid and you, you think, oh, I see this private trainer and he trains all of the kids that I want to be like, I guess I have to go train with him as well. And you can reach out to him and find him directly on air. Great. So I think um, your vision here is very clear. This is um, a very interesting product. How do you go to market with this? How do you help sure. other people learn that this is so um, useful and uh, needed? Yeah, so we launched uh, May 24th, uh, so a hair over two months ago, um, and we've already got 25,000 users in the platform, uh, over 180 schools uh, and coaches from those respective universities. Uh, we're just in college football for context right now. Uh, I played college football uh, as an international student coming across. And if I had come over to play another sport, we would have started in another sport. It was just, you know, the most, it was my frame of reference, my network base, most biggest media market, most money in it, et cetera. Uh, but we will be expanding here into all 34 sports that the NCAA offers both men's and women's here within the next 12 to 18 months, as well as very big plans to expand internationally, excluding the, uh, the collegiate system that here is in America. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the big thing in regards to how we've kind of gone about our growth thus far. We've candidly been in, in true growth hacking mode. Um, I'm a big believer in meet the consumer where they're at. Uh, you look at our target demographic on the demand side of things, and we're talking about 13 to 17 year old boys. Now, in today's day and age, where are they? Usually TikTok. So we've spent a lot of time um, marketing to them appropriately on TikTok. And that's kind of and that's had really, really awesome success for us. Um, in the you know early two months of of us being live in, and in market, great, I love it. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's a few uh, founder lessons in here. You know, one is start with what you know, and and you started with uh, football, which is what what you played and understood, and where your network was, and then um, going to where the the target demographic is, uh, meeting them where they are. I think that's that's great. So um, you clearly got something good going for you. Now let's talk about how you make money on this. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as, as a traditional dating app model would suggest, there's a freemium model. So you, it's, you know, it's free across the board and then there are premium upgrades for increased analytics, advanced exposure, um, you know, other premium features, et cetera, um, that we offer both the student athlete and the liaison respectively. Uh, we don't, at, at this point in time, we are not charging uh, the universities. As I alluded to a little earlier, I'm kind of the, 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 pretty substantial difference in ratio between demand side and supply side. Um, we didn't want to essentially have an added barrier to entry to the college coaches and the universities that they represent. So it's free right now, especially when they're the ones kind of holding the, the golden ticket per se of a, of a scholarship. That's a, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big ticket to hold, especially when you're, you're dealing with a 14, 15, 16 year old boy and girl in the, in the very near future. Uh, we also have the ability to advertise at scale um, there's, da there's a data play there. Uh, and then we have a whole bunch of complementary revenue sharing opportunities. So with, we're, we're really trying to fill out the whole athlete here. So 
we are the platform, not the service in any way, shape or form. Just like LinkedIn is the platform, Twitter is the platform, Tinder, Hinge, Bumble is the platform. They're not matching you with anyone. If you don't do your job and, and, and you don't have someone else that is equally interested in you, it's not any of those companies' faults that you didn't get the desired result. Uh, and we're the exact same here. So in order to help increase your chances of becoming the desired result, we have partnered with... <laughs> Uh, you know, a revenue, sh- I mean, a, a financial literacy company, a video editing service company, an SAT, ACT prep company, name, image and com- name, image, compliance, education, um, and kind of preparation company. And there is going to be a slew of others. We've, we've partnered with camps where athletes are currently going to, et cetera, all to try and streamline the whole process and, and understand what we're good at, understand what we not, I wouldn't say not good at our, but not our area of expertise. And rather than try and build it from scratch, partner and grow quicker that way so that's kind of been our, our process at this point in time and again we're very we're, we're eight weeks into being live so it's it will it will continue to ebb and flow as we as we mature as a company yeah absolutely and i think i'm actually surprised to hear so many partnerships in the works this early how do you view like staying focused in maybe you know let's take for example like the sat partnership like yeah. how, how do you view that really playing into a partnership that strengthens position as the go-to place for um, athlete recruiting is do you see that as something that aligns well or is it more of just like a side you know supplementary um, thing that sort of helps uh, bring in partnership revenue yeah for for right now I would say it's the latter Um, it's not to say that it won't be more prevalent as we as we kind of go on but right now the focus and, and I really set my team off and I'm like what makes the complete athlete here and we obviously said you know, there are so many athletes that are talented physically and will never get into school because their grades aren't good enough. So it was like, let's provide them resources um, that, that, again, we're not, the, we're not an ACT, SAT prep company. Like, I'm not going to write a course. Our team isn't going to write a course, but there's obviously companies out there that specialize this in this. And it's a logic, rather than us try to re- recreate the wheel here, um, let's just partner with the expert is really been the model. And it's not really a lift on our end. It's just, a, it's a pretty seamless integration into the application and we don't have to do a whole lot of tech work to, to implement it. And then again, if the consumer wants to take advantage of it, fantastic. If they don't, that's also okay. Again, we are not sitting here holding people's hand. We simply built the platform for the user themselves to get the most, the most and or the least out of it as they choose. Yeah, this, so I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Air as the company, and I think it's really phenomenal. Let's talk a little bit about how you started. And, you know, you mentioned that you were, you, you were a collegiate athlete coming overseas. Um, so maybe you saw the problem, but what really gave you the conviction to start a company in such a, you know, difficult space, you know, marketplace, tech, you know, maybe not having a background in tech, like, how did you get oh. into this and really, you know, think this was a good idea? Yeah, um, probably a little bit of naivety, um, <laughs> which I'm sure most most founders would say. Um, I, tr- candidly, I've uh, it's all I've ever known. Um, I was raised by by two single parents, but were divorced parents, but both ran their own businesses. So I've never it was I never went home at the end of like a school day and like you know my parents had to report to someone. It was always just they ran their own businesses. So like, and it probably sounds like an odd statement to come out of someone's mouth but like not once in my life have I ever thought oh I need to make money let's go and get a job it was always I'm just going to build something and figure it out from a money perspective 
um, which I think is probably unique to most. Uh, so it wasn't as big of perhaps a risk mentally, like or like a, such a lift for me to to just go and do this. It was like I'm gonna build something. I just hadn't figured out what I was gonna build yet, um, and I got some really really good advice throughout my time in college because I had a hundred ideas, as probably most people that are entrepreneurial minded um, have. And I, they were all in different industries that I wasn't an expert in. And like, it was like, just go, go solve the problem that you wish you could have had as a kid. That was kind of the big thing. And I've, I've loved sports my entire life. It's kind of been the one constant for me uh, and my recruiting process. And as, especially as an international kid was really fragmented, really frustrating. And there was a lot of unknown in the question mark, uh, but I didn't want to be in a service industry. I wanted to build something for the masses uh, and I, I was always incredibly fascinated by technology. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I'd had, I'd worked at a, I'd worked briefly kind of within a startup throughout my time in college in the marketing realm. And I feel as though that's kind of where my mind is, is in, in the product and the, the growth hacking type of uh, trajectory. And, and that's kind of how I, I came across it. But yeah, as you made, as you alluded to international student was lucky enough to come over on a, on a full ride scholarship, thought the problem, thought the problem that I was having, uh, was was exclusive to just international students, got over to America and realized that it was probably worse domestically than it was internationally. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I played my, my career and throughout my last semester of school uh, had the idea to, and the original idea was just a dating app, match coaches with players and essentially went to my coaches at, S, at SMU and just said, hey, if I was to, like, again, this is before I'd drawn anything, it, taken a single dollar, invested a single dollar of my own, um, written a single line of code. I just said, if I built this and it worked like I said it would work, how much would you pay for it type of deal? And they all said, oh, you know, 10 to 15, maybe $20,000, depending on how good it was. Uh, and I interviewed 15 coaches and got 15 yeses, assuming I, well, the product that I said I was going to build worked the way I said it was going to work. Um, and that was kind of enough validation for me to at least go build an MVP. That was kind of the first, the first step for you. Yeah. So let, let's say uh, you just mentioned something really interesting, which was you, you went out and you did a bit, essentially a buyer survey and you did it with the coaches Yeah. and now your monetization is on the player liaison side. So yeah. maybe you can talk, like you did explain why you monetize on the player liaison side. And I think that that makes sense. But because of your buyer survey, you've shown that there is some propensity to spend on the coach's side. Yeah. Maybe talk about why you, you pivoted the, the monetization model. Yeah. COVID had a massive part to do with it, candidly. So when COVID hit, um, athletic department budgets kind of equally took a hit. Um, there was a whole lot of unknown. Uh, but what we also found is that with COVID, uh, the desperation levels and the value of a scholarship all of a sudden went sky high through the roof because, you know, family couldn't afford to send their kids to the colleges that they thought they could anymore, especially, you know, a, a little over a year ago when it was, we were at the peak, um, which was kind of when we were in the, the massive formulation of, of the idea of air. Um, and that was, that was kind of like, Oh, that, that was kind of like a big uh, wake up call for us. I also looked at it and I was like, so if we have a hundred percent of the universities paying for our software and subscription, like that's great, but we're not making more universities. You know, that like that, those don't exist. But, and again, this is a, a relative statement, but you can, we can, in theory, just pull another consumer out of the hat. Obviously, that's not lit, lit, uh, literally true, but 
um, in comparison to, you know, only the 2000 schools total, it's like, why would I only want 2000 customers when I can have 25 million customers at scale? And I feel as though my, ex my area of expertise was far better focused towards the consumer behavior of the consumer, which again, being a young guy myself right out of school, I felt as though just yesterday I was the consumer, whereas I've, I've never been a college coach. And I was like, my, my skill set and where I see this going, I've built this for the athlete. I haven't built it for the coach. I just know that I need the coach in order to get the athlete. Um, so that, yeah, I hope that answers your question. But that was, yes, we very much shifted um, from, you know, thinking that our, our paying customer was going to be the institution. And we very quickly shifted. And it just, it didn't make sense to limit ourselves so much. Um, on that front. And it's, you know, that there's a, there's a very big imbalance from a, a dollar and cent standpoint um, on the family side of things to, to the institution. And there's only, you know, there's, a, there's probably only 130, let's talk about the division one level that have big pockets. The rest is, is pretty negligible. Um, so when you break it down like that, and then you look at, you know, just the sheer number of consumers that want in on an annual basis, it made more sense for us that way. Yeah, it sounds like a good pivot. And I think, um, you know, time will tell for sure. And then the other thing that's interesting is, um, you know, again, this liaison component. So, um, you know, on LinkedIn, obviously, there's recruiters that help connect the employee and the employer. But, um, you know, LinkedIn was sort of slow to support the recruit recruiter side, mainly because there were just maybe a, a overflood of a supply of, of, of recruiters. But I think here, um, how you build that liaison and the different types of, you know, the diversity of liaisons, I think is going to be really interesting and in encouraging that ecosystem growth. Is there any final words you want to share with us on what's unique about air? You know, maybe it's the liaison side I mentioned. Yeah. Um, what, what do people have and maybe <laughs> what do people have to look forward to, um, in the future roadmap? Yeah. So if you don't mind, let me just go back to my previous point, just a, a, a touch, but I also believe that uh, there's, and it's coming now to fruition, but there is a systematic shift going on um, f as it pertains to name, image, and likeness, which is obviously quite a hot topic currently and will continue to be so, um, where for, for just about forever and always, the institution has been seen as this big, holy grail, untouchable, you know, big and, big and scary. And then as name, image, and likeness has all of a sudden come to the floor, all of a sudden, the societal shift has gone completely 180 and it's all consumer all the time here. And we saw that really early. Uh, so you asked the question of why did we make that shift? Part of it was COVID. Part of it was name, image, and likeness and, and taking a big bet on the fact that, hey, this is the way that the consumer trend is going. We need to be at the forefront of it. And I'm very, very happy to say that like that hypothesis that we made over a year ago is, is coming, to tr coming true in spades right now. Um, and I, and I think we'll only continue to, to grow as we go on. I, I don't think we've even really started yet. Um, in, in, in regards to what, uh, we have to look forward to in the future. So we're, we're just in college football. We will be expanding, as I made mention into all 34 sports, uh, both men's and women's, as well as professional sports, both internationally and domestically. Um, and then we have a, a really, really exciting opportunity kind of in the, in the educational space uh, as it pertains to 
to name, image, and likeness candidly. Um, there's, as you know, there's a rules right now, or as of July 1st, so, you know, three and a half weeks ago, where the college athlete is now able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, the high school athlete is next, as you can imagine, and it's coming far sooner than people think. And that's obviously our, it's our core target demo. And we are positioning ourselves to be right in the middle of that. So um, that's kind of what's, what's here to look forward to. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. Um, definitely been some trends of name, image, and likeness. I interviewed another company, uh, I believe, called Clout Machine that uh, helps high school uh, athletes monetize uh, name, image, image, and likeness. I think uh, Not right now, that's, well, that's yeah, just right after the new rule. Uh, so well, it's just, a le- I'm, I'm saying it's like illegal. So like, right, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like right now there are big amateurism laws. So if like a, if a kid, I'm in Texas right now, if a kid for a high school athlete in Texas goes and makes money on a brand deal, it's not that he's going to be ineligible when he plays in college or he or she plays in college if he or she is good enough. It's more of like they're not going to even be able to play high school because they have to be considered an amateur and like the, the local, you know, the local leagues and the school districts will be like, you're, you know, ineligible to play high school sports anymore. Um, that's the problem. So, so, so maybe you can clarify what the July 1st rule um, yeah. allows now. So the July 1st rule was specifically for collegiate athletes being able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So it's not a pay-for-play model. It's not where I play a game and you pay me a paycheck um, for going out and running out on the field and, and doing my job. It's more just on, hey, I'm I'm a quarterback at the University of Texas and I have 500,000 followers and my reach is X, Y, and Z and my perceived brand value per post is $50,000. Like the, athlete, the quarterback at, te- at Texas right now is going to be able to make whatever the appropriate price is for his own image and likeness. It's no different than if you've got a, uh, a social media star doing a brand deal on, Insta- on Instagram or on TikTok right now, or on YouTube for that matter. Um, previously, prior to July 1st, that was illegal um, in the eyes of the NCAA and, and the federal government for that matter. So um, that's, that's kind of the, the societal, the massive societal shift. There are 500,000 college athletes um, playing across all levels from, you know, the SEC and, and the quarterback of Alabama all the way through NAIA um, and, and Division Three in junior college. There might only be 500 athletes annually that are going to make, and this is over all sports, that are going to make big, big, big dollars, you know, six figures plus. Um, everyone else is it's going to be, you know, a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there, which don't get me wrong is awesome, but it's not like everyone's going to go and get a, a big bag, I guess you could say. Um, and that, and that's part of the education piece is that a lot of people are uneducated on the process as it currently stands. With that being said, what's going on right now is the wild, wild west. And it's a much better than what it was on, on June 30th compared to July 1st. I can assure you of that. Um, because, and I can only speak from personal experience here, but you know, you've got star players that I played with, you know, people came out and spend a lot of money to go and watch them play. And then they go home and uh, they got no food in the fridge. And it's kind of like, hold on. Like you had three touchdowns and 200 yards as a wide receiver. Everyone was screaming and shouting for you. They got your Jersey on your, on their backs. You don't get a dollar of the Jersey sales. And then you go and live in your $500 a month, like, 
you know, commission flat with no food in the fridge. It's like, how does that work? So now that scenario is no longer going to be the case because that athlete can, you know, make a few hundred dollars here and there, make a few thousand dollars here for promoting a business, et cetera, uh, which is very much the, the right thing and what should have been happening for a long time. And the idea of like, you know, a, a rich and influential booster paying an athlete to come to school is now going to be legal in theory. Well, not like they can, they can do it and they can say rather than, you know, a big booster in the SEC pays a family or a kid $100,000 to commit to a school. It's just going to be like, come and be the face of my car dealership. Um, and, we'll, and, and for the first 12 months, there's no fair market rate. So it's kind of a free for all. Um, it's, a, it's a wildly dynamic uh, environment. I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but uh, that, yeah, that's kind of the, the crux of it. Yeah, I appreciate you um, going into the details because I know um, talked to a few folks who who have mentioned the rule and haven't really dug in. So um, I think this is definitely sounds like you know a situation where the re- regulation has changed, but it still hasn't provided clarity to the industry yet. You know how people use this new regulation um, or you know new deregulation in a way. Uh, you know, like you said, it's the wild, wild west. So if, if you can get there first and sort of streamline the process, I think there's huge opportunity there. So, so um, yeah, yeah. Re- re- really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, anything else, James, where do people find more information about air? Um, you know, I think we know your target demographic, but who, who yeah. else can get involved? Um, how do we support you? Yeah. So you can find us on, on, on the app store on Google play store, just at air college recruiting. Uh, you can find us on on social media at athletes in recruitment and uh, and follow along. Yeah, we're we're really kind of scaling along here to and 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 aiming to scale really really quickly and and in the very short term be able to scale into into every other sports, both men's and women's, as we as I made mention. So that's kind of where we're where we're heading. But uh, excited for everyone to follow along. Great. Well, thank you so much, James. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully everyone will go check out Air. Perfect. Thank you.